Yo, 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 yo. Welcome back to another episode of the Educated Food Podcast. I am Jeff, one of the Educated Foods. And I'm your co-host, Jarrell, the other Educated Food. And this week, we, we decided to bring someone else on. So um, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name's Blaze, and I'm not an Educated Fool, but I guess kind of. <laughs> but it's good yeah, to I'm pretty foolish but <laughs> so yeah I'm, I'm excited to be here and yeah happy Friday to everyone I don't know when it, when y'all will release it but it's Friday right now so happy Friday right. now you definitely educated food place like <laughs> yeah. and for, for those who've been listening for a while this is actually Blaze's second time on the show so welcome back yeah. actually thank you yeah yeah um, just like we do every week, let's let's do a quick little check in before we hop into the topic. How everybody doing this uh, Friday? Let's start with let's start with our guests. How you doing, Blaze? I'm doing well. Um, I so since since the for the past few months, I should say not since the p- pandemic, but for the past few months, I've just been using the morning time to really ease into the day um, and do what I need to do for me, and um, that extends to Fridays a little longer into just, like, relaxing, getting centered, and then starting my work day, so I'm off to a great start. I'm feeling good. I'm very, very busy, but thankfully, it's all busyness that um, I'm, things that I'm passionate about, projects that I'm working on for work that actually energize me and make me feel like I'm living in my purpose, and so that busyness is not that bullshit kind of mode of production busy for no reason not meaningful and more so like i'm driven by these things and so um it's it's making me feel full of life really full of life okay and then one more thing did y'all um this is awful but did either of you watch yet on netflix in our mother's garden no i haven't yet okay so i I watched that last night y'all watched that at some point i watched that last night and I don't know if um, subconsciously it was in prep of today right now and spending this time and being in community with you all, but I am feeling mm. powerful in my black womanhood on account of that. Nice. And like so connected to my mom and my grandmom and my grandmom's mom and grandmom. And so that um, it was, it, it is a beautiful ode to black womanhood that I also think extends itself to black men in the way that I think across the across the United States and the diaspora, like the way that grandmoms play in our lives. Um, and so nice. I think y'all could, it could be fun for you to watch too. So that, that definitely has me starting my day off um, really good, going to sleep watching that. Hour yeah. and 20 minutes, so not even a big commitment. Never even heard of it. Nice. It just nice. came, I think it, yeah. I think it might've just came out. Um, Cause I hadn't either. And my cousin was yeah. like, you have to see this. You're gonna love it. Um, and so I watched it last night and I was like, oh, this is pretty dope. So yeah, watch that. Uh, we'll see, because you said grandma's. It's, grandma's a touchy topic for me because I lost all my grandma's young. So yeah. So yeah. so touchy for me as well because I I lost my grandma and I have a grandma who's still living, but that bond isn't there. And so it it's one of those things where I'm like she's around uh, you know what I mean like I know right, like, I don't really fool her grandma, grandma. yeah and right. so um for that but um when you get the moment or you feel inclined or you feel like you're in that space it, it could be a pretty special thing to watch but yeah that's how that's I'm so doing cool. that's awesome yeah and for me I think that I am in a space where uh so I made a Facebook post this week where I was like I'm in my season of no so I am an overgiver and an overshare, as we've learned on the podcast. 
I, time and time again. But I feel like I'm in my season of no because I am not giving what I can't give any longer. And so I've decided not to. Um, I've also decided that, you know, with, with regard to work, yes, things are important, but life is a little bit more important and life know, is, you know, for living. And so I'm going to watch that in, in you, you said it's in, in my mother's garden. Yeah. In our mother's garden. Okay. When you, when in you our mother's garden. Mothers and gardens and it's going to pop up. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Gotcha. And, yeah. I'm going to watch that. Oh, go yeah, ahead. Jarrell, I need some of your, I need some of that no energy. I, I do. I do. Hell yeah. Well, I'll give it to, I, I'll give it, that I will freely give. Yeah, I <laughs> because need to, I need to chill. Yeah, like in everything that I do, like in my with with my dealings with my fraternity, with my dealings with my work, with my dealings with you know other things on the side, I give too much, and so I'm like, nah, dog, I'm I'm not giving as much as I used to give because my answer was always yes to everything, mm-hmm. and I started to realize that I was burning myself out. Right, like I was going to to bed literally exhausted because I had given so much of myself. And so now I'm like, no, I'm going to devote my time to the things that I want to devote my time to, not the things that other people want me to devote my time to that help them and support them. I'm doing this for me. And so that's where I am right now. And, um, you know, it's funny, Blaze, that you mentioned the, you know, In Our Mother's Gardens, because I love movies like that, that, you know, talk about generational healing, generational like bonding and things in connection. Um, I also lost my grandmother very young. Uh, I was 12 when my grandmother passed away and it was devastating to me because literally my grandmother was like my, my, my comfort place, mm-hmm. right? Like she always had been my comfort place. Um, she was the, you know, my grandmother always knew exactly who I was <laughs> and she protected that. And, and I had 27 cousins. And so you know, like she protected me from some of them who could get outright nasty at times with me because, you know, when I was little, I was a little feminine. I'm not even going to lie. Or what we what we call feminine. Right. Or or or, or what we call a little boy soft. Um, right. So I guess I would I, I fit that mold when I was younger. And so my grandmother was always the protector. She was always the one like, yo, like leave him alone. Let him be who he's going to be. And we'll see who he's going to be. Don't put anything on him. Let him be. And so um, for my grandmother in losing her, that was, I mean, that was devastating. And so I'll definitely watch that because I definitely love, you know, those types of stories where grandmas are like the everything because grandmothers are everything. So that- yeah, most definitely. <laughs> How you doing, Jeff? Getting over a cold. <laughs> 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 to be, to be yeah. honest. Um, yeah. you know, work, work, right. It's, it was, a, it's a big week at work. So there is, you know, a million things yeah. I was juggling and, um, went against what I typically do, which is take care of myself. But it was one of those weeks where I just couldn't, right? Like, it's like, I just couldn't call out this week. Yeah. Um, I'm registering yeah. a thousand freshmen. Um, I'm yeah. registering 700 men in the prison for classes, right? Like those yeah. are things that are important to me. So it's like, I can't, yeah. resist it. um, but Next week, I'm definitely missing. <laughs> I told my boss, like, yeah, I'm next week. Nope. Um, I know I put in the, some vacations for the end of this month, the next month, but next week I need it just because, you know, I need to, I'm all about self-care. Um, and it's fun. Like, it's interesting, right, how, how you're in your season. No, my family would say that's where I permanently live now. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, and it's Except a, it's for your a, daughter. Some yeah, except for my daughter. Actually, she gets a lot of those, and my wife hates it. 
Um, I think I do that deliberately, though, with her, just because I've always been told, like, you know, your daughter is going to, you know, soften you up. You're going to be, she can get away with murder, basically, right? So for me, like, I think I go extra hard. Like, no, no, no. no. But, uh, so yeah, it's interesting. Like, I, I used to be that yes person a lot when I was, you know, really in undergrad. I was just overextending myself. And then I had a mentor. I was like, well, I just can't say no. And he was like, you can't say no. And I was like, yeah, I can't. He was like, let me teach you. No. <laughs> and it was just simple as that, right? And once that happened, right? And it actually made relationships better. It made my it actually made my siblings be a lot better as well because I wasn't there. Just I'm, I'm not immediately jumping to save them anymore, right? Yeah. It's like, no, nah, I'm gonna let you like you called me. I'm gonna call you back in three days because you would have figured out what you needed, right? Um, so um, I kind of kind of live there. And then another thing is actually really. It's interesting doing this with you, Jarrell, um, mm-hmm. getting to know each other a lot more because I lost yeah. my grandma. My grandma I was living with at the same age. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. So, like, it's really interesting, right? The parallel. So, like, yeah, yeah for me, um, I basically lived with both my grandmas for um, just because I was with them so much. Um, right. Well, for me, like, that's grandmas are touchy subjects. So when I see people, like, not engaging with their grandparents, knowing that I lost mine, my grandma when I was, my my dad's mom at 16, my mom's mom at like 11, 12, right? My grandma, my grandparents were gone early and I never really knew my grandfather. He passed when I was two. So like, and then I, I did have a grandfather recently pass through COVID, mm-hmm. uh, which hit me hard because we have a great relationship and I held on to a lot of shit that I shouldn't have been holding on to as an adult uh, for things mm-hmm. that he did when he was uh, sick, right? It, you know, oh, okay. cracking LA. So, you know, sick. Right, and so I had a lot of bridges. So, like for me, grandparent topics are hard for me uh, gotcha. because I feel like I missed out on that for so for so much. Uh, but yeah. I might give it a go. I know my wife might like it, my, so we might give it a go. We'll see. Yeah, yo, I like. Oh my goodness, we get on topic, but we could do a whole episode on freaking everything that we just touched on just now. There's like four episodes <laughs> in that. In that. Yeah. I'm going to leave it at that because there's so much that I could could tack onto that. And the last thing I'll say on that is it would be so dope, Jeff, if y'all if y'all revisited that episode you did by yourself. But now from the co-hosts, like both of the co-host stories, I'm obsessed with that episode. Mind you, like, that's how behind, you know, I am of like when you tell your story, I'm like obsessed. And I know you felt like, damn, I'm going I did not intend for it to be this long. It was everything to me. So I'd love to hear and learn more about y'all, whether through the podcast or offline. So up there, because there's a lot of parallel and experiences with with grandparents and just getting to know y'all in these couple of minutes. Absolutely. Thanks. And we'll, we'll definitely we'll definitely bring you back. Blaze, and we can we can do this. For sure. Right. That's that's really what it is. Having dope conversations with, with dope people. That's what I say in my trailer mm-hmm. from the movie. <laughs> <laughs> so let's uh let's try to dive into what um we originally <laughs> thought about like a week ago um, when I saw Jarrell's uh, post on Facebook and I was like, yo, I feel the exact same way. Um so lead us into the convo. I'm going to try to navigate this as best I can without pissing. <laughs> so let me go into my goose faba, okay? Like, like my my namyo horenge kya, because like this is a topic that really pisses me off. Like, so coming off the Micaiah Bryant situation, you know, there were so many people who were justifying this young lady's death, and 
if you had just looked at that baby, like if you had just saw her TikToks, if you had just saw her face, like that was a baby. That was someone's beautiful baby. And regardless of whether it was, you know, it was someone's baby or someone's mom or someone's sister, someone's auntie or whatever have you, she was a life. And so what really bothered me was the fact that there were so many people underhandedly and and overtly trying to justify this young lady's death and justify her murder by this police officer when it now it comes out that she was defending herself against these girls who had been coming there for a while to harass her and allegedly it's because the foster mom may have called them or whatever have you not going to get into the details of that but um what what is known is that these girls had been harassing Micaiah for a little while for right. whatever reason right and she was defending herself and imagine defending yourself and then being the the, the victim of a, a a heinous situation on both ends you know right. that's that's crazy and so to see so many men and it I, I saw some women and, and and let's be very clear here like women can be misogynistic as well and and, and oh, can yeah. definitely you know be in that place where they are you know the the I guess the the arbiters of misogyny right but it was mostly men that I saw from my vantage point you know literally saying that this young lady deserved to die because she had a knife in her hand and she was and, and, and she was defending herself. And so my point was, if y'all hate Black women, just say it. I would rather you say that you hate Black women so that I know where you stand so right. that I know I won't fuck with you. Because what I won't do is be in a space where Black women are not appreciated, are not valued, and are not supported. And I also will not allow myself to be in a space where Black women are not seen as equal. Because that ain't life. (laughs) So, yeah. So that's where I was. Uh, Blaze, you got anything to add to that or any thoughts on that one? Yeah. So I think that um, that that particular situation, it's always a situation that reminds you of of things and topics that 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 emerge ongoingly around misogyny. And real quick, like to your one of the points that you made, Jarrell, around like women seeing some women post about that as well and and black women and i think you bring up an interesting point in that there's a lot of ways that um black women have internalized um Mm -hmm. misogyny and sexism and have have almost are so about the community and so about our collective pain that they're willing to and they've 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 been forced in a lot of ways historically and now for for Mm -hmm. this generation and all of us have made choices to distance themselves from woman-centered or black woman-centered ideologies on account of like, I don't have time for that or whatever, like just looking at it through a race lens and that's it. And so that's always really hard for me because I'm like, yes, we need to be about our community and about men and um, all of that. And we can't let that negate our experiences as black women and some of the ways that that black men are are causing harm as well and so yeah i think about i think about that little girl um i think about the fact that um you know she literally like when when the argument that i hear from from a lot of black mm-hmm. men is like how would you have felt if that was your daughter um and and daughter meaning like the one who was getting the knife i guess was being targeted and i'm like literally how I would feel is one, why is my daughter at somebody's house starting trouble? But that's besides the point. Um, but 
she brought a, a knife. Like, how is it possible? And this is what I try to help, try to have people understand. How is it possible that there are people who are in police custody with guns who have killed people who have done heinous things and they are able to still have their life? This little girl had a knife at a gunfight, basically. You know what I mean? Once cops got mm -hmm. there, and so there are not ways that you could have handled this situation and de-escalated this situation um, in in a way that didn't result in her losing her life. And so there's that issue on its own. But when you constantly feel like, damn, how is it that the founders of Black Lives Matter are women? How is it that when all of these instances happen around Black men, it's like, okay, we're going to figure out the details of all of it, but it ain't a, like, it's like my, my thing is like, you know how like when you're really close to someone, whether it's your cousins or your siblings or your friends and y'all get into something and you're like, damn, why you get me in this? But like, that's a conversation for later in the moment. You're just like, okay, what do we have to do? I'm about to defend you. I'm not, you know what I mean? So I never understand how just off of, just off the rip, black men are so willing and able to like, want to be investigators and say like, well, what happened and how basically explanation for in what ways could she have deserved this that's how I always feel there's always like this conversation of like there had to be a reason why the black girl or the black woman deserved it what does she do like never we're never allowed to be a victim and I just feel like we don't we don't treat black men the same way um it's like well, fuck all that you know what I mean fuck all that what he do I don't care what he was doing he didn't deserve to to lose his life or he didn't de deserve to be brutalized or humiliated or any of those things because I okay now I'm off on a tangent but hear me out one more thing <laughs> go ahead go ahead that really really bothers me is that when like when things happen and it's like you know this the media and police and everybody else is like does this character assassination of like all of the things that were wrong with a person I don't give a fuck if I was driving on, um, and I had weed on me and I just came from whatever that, or I ran a stop sign that none of that matters and is justification for being brutalized or murdered. And so if I can see that so clearly and still cape for black men, it is always so upsetting when I feel like that's not the same, you know, that's not reciprocated. And it's always, um, it's always some justification for the, for the hurt that we have to feel, not only from society at large and in terms of navigating these different structures and systems, but when it feels like it's coming from home too, it's, it's like, damn, we just out here. <laughs> like we just out here by ourselves, you know what I mean? Figuring this out. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a couple things that I Right. So because I get I got posed the same question. Right. Mm -hmm. um, because someone posted some dude posted it on Facebook and then one of my close friends was engaging with him. And I was like, why are you going back and forth with this clown? Hey, fool. Like, why are you going back and forth? with him? About <laughs> right. Like, why would you even respond to that? Like, just let him let him be. Right. That's just that. If that's what he believes, let him believe it. But don't engage. Like, it makes no sense to engage because you're going to get nowhere. Like right. you get nowhere mainly with men who think that way. You get nowhere. And so the question was like, well, well, if it was your daughter, right? Because obviously my daughter is, you know, black. I'm raising a, a black woman. And I was like, how would I feel? I was like, well, I'd be pissed and upset that my daughter was stabbed or sliced and we had to go and get her stitched up. 
yes, I'll be extremely pissed. Right. Um, I will feel worse, though, that someone else lost their daughter when I know there's a better way to de-escalate the situation. Right. right. My daughter's life doesn't have more value than her attacker. And I think that's the part that frustrates me the most. It's like you're putting more value on other people's lives when if we all say Black Lives Matter, every life matters. She shouldn't be disposable because you can create this reason why she was a threat or a danger. And you say that she's a threat and danger because, once again, you're a misogynistic male and you're not thinking about it from other lenses. Because as you stated, Blaze, whenever there's a Black man who gets gunned down, no matter what that Black man is doing, right or wrong, there's hashtags, there's shirts, there's all these things, no matter what, right? They will justify that he didn't need to be killed, right. no matter how aggressive he was, right? So why no don't what we, his record was, none of it, none, none of it really matters. None, yeah. none of that matters when it comes to a black man. But when it comes to a black woman, it's, well, what, what did she do? Maybe if she didn't talk this right. way, maybe she didn't yeah. act this way. And it's like, yeah. Why, how, why is that your default? Like, what has happened? Like, who hurt you? That's always what I want to ask. Yeah. Like, what black woman has hurt you that much? Right? Like, we always joke, right, with women, like, yo, she has daddy issues. Stay away from her. Nah, this nigga got mommy issues. For mm-hmm. word. <laughs> he has mommy yeah. issues. Right? That's word. something, there's something deep rooted within him that makes him immediately jump to, I'm not going to defend this black woman no matter what. Like, it's mm-hmm. always at the fault of whatever that Black woman was doing, whether she was mm-hmm. wearing, however she was behaving. Um, we see it in the workplace, right? Yeah. How Don't let a Black woman be passionate about what she's talking about in the workplace. Like, that is a nail yeah. in the car for me. Right. That's, that's saying it's ground zero for, you know, oh, she's a bitch or she's this and right. she's that. Right. Like, I, I, have a, I have a team. My team is all Black women. And um, I wonder if I should say this. I'm not going to say that. Um, <laughs> it was something that was told to me by the previous director that I'm not going to repeat. But one of the things that I will say is I have no interest in, you know, making spaces that don't affirm or, or creating or sustaining spaces that do not confirm um, that, that do not affirm black womanhood. Right. And so in that same vein, if there's ever a situation where someone comes to me about one of my team members that, you know, oh, she was just being overly aggressive and this and that, I will immediately give her the benefit of the doubt and be like, what did you say? What are you doing? Because that's not my experience with her and how I know her to be is this. And she only becomes that way when something happens. And even in those moments, she will correct you and clarify exactly where she stands. And it's more than likely probably right. Right. <laughs> so what's up, you know? Um, and so I hate when I see people, you know, like, oh my God, like she did what? That is absolutely ridiculous. Nope. If you come to me with that, I'm not, my first response is going to be, okay, so tell me about the situation. What happened? What did you say to her? What was her response? How is this going to go? Because what I'm not into is I'm not into misogynistic behaviors and misogynistic culture or creating misogynistic culture because I also realize my place on my team as well, right? Like, um, you know, I'm a cis man who is, you know, the director of my department, 
leading, you know, women. And so, you know, I need to make sure that I'm doing my best as a man to, you know, always make sure that, you know, my teammates, um, and I wouldn't, and I'd never call them my insubordinates, but my teammates feel affirmed that th this is a space where they are valued and they are centered in the work because it, it doesn't happen that often. You know what I'm saying? Like so often it's the reverse where, you know, people take black women for granted. And I hate it when it's a black man who does that to black women, right? Like I value you less because I'm like, you came from, if you're a black man, you came from a black woman. That's it, period. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe you didn't come from a black woman. Like if you're, you could be a black man who came from a white woman, but you had a, you know, your father would maybe may have been a black man who came from a white, I mean, who came from a, a black woman. So somewhere in your lineage, there is a black woman who created what created you. So tell me why you don't value that. You know, where is the value diminished and why is it not important for you to reverence that, own that and recognize that somewhere along your lineage, there was a black woman who, who, who sparked the seed, who sparked you. So what's up? Right. Um, I think, I think it goes so deep. I think that for, there's so many different factors um, at play that I want to get at. Jeff, I want to acknowledge something you said too, just as far as, because it really spoke to me about valuing um, some lives more than others. And just like that way to deescalate and how in your head you thought through, if it was your daughter, that somebody like, that was just a, that was a really good way to put it because again, like that was the constant rhetoric. Like, well, what if it was your daughter? What if it was your daughter? We, I, you know, I can't speak for you all, but you know, for me, I've been in, in situations and in places that I have no business being in as a kid. You know what I mean? I've done things, yeah. started, you know, all of those kind of Word. things to, to frame it as this, like, if it was your kid, you know, all of the, that, that could have easily been me and my friends in that situation. And we, we was, right equally wrong for going to the house or whatever happened at the school that brought us whatever and nobody had to um calling for help shouldn't have been resulted in how it how it happened but the other thing i'm like, like i always think about with black men is like okay so is some of it okay let me okay there's a lot a couple things because this is what i don't want to do i don't think that um let's say for example all black men just generally all of them who are in let's say interracial relationships for me that's not off off the bat a sign that you don't like black women you know what I mean or you don't fuck with us mm -hmm. like you know yeah. so I have to say that because I don't think that that is that is true and I think that there's so many nuances to it you know what I mean and when you put it like that it's just ridiculous and I do think that there are some black men who just see who see who have been socialized in such a way that they have devalued black women, even if they have a great relationship with their mama, their grandmom, and their sisters, they see other women of other ethnicities as more of a status symbol as they make it up the ranks or, you know, they do their thing. Um, and somehow, and I think part of that that's feeding that is, of course, when we think about beauty standards and stuff like that. Um, but I just think there's this like constant historical um, ways that we have been either like hypersexualized or stripped of our sexuality and our femininity and our humanity in ways that make us seem like either we're disposable to black men and just something to play with and something to do for the time being until somebody else of, um, of, of more value pays you attention to, or you just, um, you, 
there are parts of yourself that you hate so much that you see reflected maybe in black women that you distance yourself because of that. There's some trauma going on. I don't know. And I'd be trying to figure it out. I'm married to a black man. And so I'd be up in all the comment sections of different um, people, whether it's women or whoever, like that are talking all of this stuff around, like everything that black women are doing wrong and why we can't get a man or keep a man. And I'd be like, well, I'm black. And I got a black man, so maybe y'all should listen to me and not, you know what I mean? I'm like, that's not my experience. My man loved me, you know what I mean? I never had an issue with that. And so, because some of that is also like in my head right now of all of like, all of these, these mechanisms, these money-making mechanisms that are like really making black women feel like something is constantly wrong with us as to why, and I'm just like, why is it that we, we, it's all of us that needs the, um, the fixing. And so I'm always like, and cause I, I'm trying, okay. So, cause there's two sets right now that I'm thinking of who do this. And there's the classic hotep rhetoric around everything oh. that's with black women. And then there's like the more um, polished respectability, Steve Harvey, everything that's wrong with, with black. And I use him as like, Steve Harvey him but also just like that archetype of like directions that it's coming from and then I guess there's a third where it's a little bit of um conservatism around like religion and Christianity and so I'm just like damn like I'm getting it in all these directions that like I am just like a terrible a terrible option so I don't know I don't know if y'all have more to say about that like because now I just tune the whole type stuff out but when it's coming from um platforms where you're like this sounds pretty good um and then then you can like read between the lines of like okay you're using the same kind of um antiquated solutions or you're bringing up issues that have been found to be like so problematic you know what I mean and how you think about us whether you're just looking at us from like oh we're Jezebel's from like the mammy stereotype like I, I can read between these lines of what you're really getting at right now of how you're talking about us Right. So, <clears throat> Jeff, you want to talk about that? I'm going to try to tread softly into this. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Because as, as, as a married man in the interracial relationship, right? <laughs> but um, I think, well, I, I'm going to say what I think, right? As it relates to everything that you just mentioned, Blaze. And it's not necessarily, I think it's some Black men. They believe into the stereotype that other races are more um, easier to deal with, I should say. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, they're, they're less confrontational. Um, they're more docile. And for a lot of men, that makes them feel like a man, right? Um, I am the man of the household. I am the breadwinner. I make the decisions. And my wife is the one that follows my lead and my direction. And we and instead of seeing their partner as that as an equal part, yeah, exactly. Partner as an equal, and they are threatened that black women, um, and not all black women are like this either. Like, right. like we're not; they're not monolithic either, right. right? And that's another issue that that makes it hard to kind of talk about. But mm-hmm. they rather go with someone who they feel is going to be submissive than someone who is going to fight for their own and stand up for them because they were raised by strong black women. So they see, I'm not going to get, be able to get away with this bullshit with this black woman. So maybe I should go to a white woman who is 
they might be more submissive, which that is also not true. I know a white woman who will her husband up if he did right. anything out of line, right? But I think it's just once again, it's it's the way the media plays into these things and the way think people feed into it. Um, so that's like me tapping my toes in the water. And Jeff, okay, <laughs> really, just okay. Before you continue, um, at which like we are not a monolith and that is so important. And so what I'm about to say, look at, look at it through that lens too. We're not monolithic. I grew up around all Latinos. Okay. And so when people even bring out that, like talk about the comparison of like a black girl or a Latina girl, I'm like, you must not have been around the fucking same Latina girls that I have been around because you know what I mean? Like of what you think you're getting, we are the same. You know what I mean? That, 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 that assertiveness and that feistiness. And again, when you're talking, I'm talking in generalizations. Um, and so there's that piece to it. But like, to your point about like the white people that I've been around, I'm like, this is not, this is not that, you know what I mean? And what I always try to tell people like women who are like women who are not black, who are dating black men. And they see that as kind of like a one up on black woman. I'm like, if his rhetoric around why he fucks with you is because you're more easy to deal with, that says more about his respect for you than I would take on myself. If he's saying it's easier to deal with you and in ways that, that basically are getting at that he thinks that you're a weak bitch, that ain't a compliment. You know what I'm saying? That ain't a compliment. And so, um, be mindful of that, you know, and, and chances are if you got them and that's why he with you, I don't want them in the first place. So there's that. Um, so I, I just had to say that because I'm like, where, where are they getting this stuff? Um, you know, I see it. I see these posts around like get you an Asian girl or get you a Spanish girl because this is and that. And I'm like, where are y'all from? Because that's I didn't know. No, like, you know what I mean? I always knew strong women across um, ethnicities and races mm-hmm. and that's interesting. And then another thing that I have to say um, is that part of part of why our our dynamic is what it is in, in a lot of instances is because during the, the first waves of the of the feminist movement, I guess second wave, whatever, the feminist movement where white and a very white centric, Eurocentric feminism where women were fighting to be um, breadwinners and get out of the house and work and do all of those things. We've always been working. Again, generally speaking, black women have always worked. And when our men were being discriminated against and they weren't given the same opportunities in a lot of ways, we were the breadwinners. You know, that doesn't make us, that doesn't mean that in some way we're emasculating men, but it's always been a partnership. And it's always, it has always been about a complementary um, bond, right? You know what I mean? Of, of, who, it doesn't matter who makes more, who works more, let's, let's get this done together and figure this out. And so if you, if you had black women from the times that we first got in the United States, always doing break backing work, um, you know, and always being a, um, a pillar in the community in some way, whether it was front facing or in that background, of course, we have a, we carry a spirit of assertiveness of, of, you know, we see ourselves as equal because we've always been a part of the team, whether we got recognition for or, you know what I mean? And so it's like, we never had to fight for, we never had to fight to get out of the homes and not work. We always fucking worked. And sometimes that looked like taking care of somebody else's kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. And not being able to do, so I just always am like, you have to look at it from like the, the historical part of it too. When, when there are some black men who are threatened by the, um, 
by the spirit of a of a black woman um and the because we all are we all hold we all hold feminine and masculine energies you know what i mean men do what you need it all it's a balance but i feel like with some black men if they've been socialized and they've been taught to think that um the way that the way that my masculine energy plays out is somehow um lessens them as a man that is self-work mm-hmm. you know what i mean that is the work that you have mm-hmm. to do on yourself i don't that's not a me problem and that is the uh Jarell, you talked about being in your your season of no i'm in my season of i'm not dimming my light for no weak ass man you know what i mean um, hello you know because that that is a self-esteem issue on your part and you can't it convince is. me that that has something to do with me. I know that I'm kind and I'm caring and I'm I'm a good person. And so you can't make me believe that the same way that you exercise your leadership when I do it, it's um, it's somehow like adverse to you demonstrating your masculinity. Yeah. Y'all yeah. got me going, yo. Y'all got me on the Listen, TikTok. I love it. Jeff, you, because what you said, I just had to... Um, as soon as I got a pause, I had to respond to it, but I feel like you were, you might've was going to say more. Um, Cause it, you're just giving me life right now. Both of y'all are just giving me so much life. I was going to hand it off to Jarrell cause he was going to say okay. something at the same time as me. So oh, my fault. No, it's all good. Um, I was just going to touch back on the topic uh, blaze that you mentioned about the, the three archetypes of the men, right? Like the hoteps, the Steve Harvey type ar- archetype and, uh, or archetype and the, 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 the church, Mm-hmm. church boy church person archetype right or the religious archetype so one just to lighten up the mood a little bit okay i don't know if you all have seen um just in the spirit of hotel i don't know if you all have seen this clip from black lady sketch show with oh. dr hadassah phd when yes. she was interviewing gabrielle <laughs> it is the funniest shit i have ever seen in my life robin dd <laughs> is a fool okay a straight up yes. fool dr hadassah i love it so on, on, the, on, on, on that topic, right, uh, and while we're on Tariq Nasheed's uh, internet, um, talking about these things that Tariq Nasheed probably does not agree with, um, or the Prince of Pan-Africanism, uh, Dr. whatever the hell his name is. Um, I forgot what his name is, too. He's a fool. Omar um, Johnson. Omar Johnson, the biggest fool of them all. Frederick, Johnson, uh, Frederick Douglass' cousin, okay? So Frederick Douglass' cousin and Tariq Nasheed they have created this band of woke niggas that I'm going to just call them woke niggas, okay? And, and who, who believe that they think with their third eye. So they pineal gland or their third eye or whatever this is, right? Um, and at the center of all that is misogyny. Yeah. Um, there is, there's so much great, there's so many great things that could come out of what these men have taught but there's so much more negative things that it's just, it, it, I mean, it cancels it out, right? It cancels out anything that they're saying otherwise because at the heart of everything that they teach, it is misogyny. And it is that men need to step up and be the lead. Men need to do this. Men need to do that. Men need to be this. Men need to be that, blah, 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 blah. But never talk about what it is to have an equal partnership with women. And how right. an equal partnership with women, regardless of sexuality, right? Like what an equal partnership with women would look like and what that world would look like, right? And so that's why I don't like that, you know, that hotep archetype. Then with the Steve Hart, don't, ooh, don't get me going with this one. 
Um, the only one in that family I really appreciate is Lori because Lori mm-hmm. said, fuck y'all, I'm dating them all. And Listen. I applauded. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I applauded. Okay. Um, but like the Steve Harvey archetype is those types, those Hollywood types, right? Like those those Hollywood uh black spook who sat beside the door, right? Who mm-hmm. is, you know, yes em, no em, yes, master, no master. When Monique went on the Steve Harvey show and literally embarrassed Steve Harvey you know, and literally, you know, was telling him, I'm doing what I'm doing because Black women need to start stepping up more and knowing what our worth is. It's not about, you know, it's not about what someone, you know, what I think I'm owed. It's about my inner self-worth and what I know I'm owed, what I know I'm valued at. And if you're not going to give me my value, I'm not going to, you know, do this, or I'm not going to do that, or I'm not going to be this person. And Steve Harvey literally tried to sit there and diminish Monique. And I was like, yo, what you should be doing is using your platform to applaud this sister for mm-hmm. knowing exactly who she is and who her worth and what her worth is. You know, um, we can, we, I mean, this is like four other topics, but like with regard to, you know, her treatment of Tyler Perry and Oprah and all them other kind of folks, like she had a valid point. You know, and she was like, look, I had other things going on and things of that nature. And so this, you know, this is the totality of my womanhood. Like I'm a mom. I have lost a relationship with my oldest son because I was out chasing my dream and I don't want to do that anymore, but I still want to work. And I still think I should be able to work and be in and work in the ways that I want to work. And instead of applauding the sister and applauding the, the, the complexities of her womanhood, she continued to be diminished. And that was the point where I was like, yo, y'all are fucked up. Like, this is fucked up. Like, this woman is literally showing you all the complexities of womanhood, like to the umpteenth degree, and y'all are giving her hell for it. I'm like, that's not cool. Regardless of whether you like Monique personally or not, like the sister had a point. It was like, look, y'all can't diminish me. Yep. And, and you know what, Jarrell? You know what, Jarrell? You speak to the perfect point of if if our shit is not packaged and palatable in yeah. the palatable black woman or girl way, then it's like you mm-hmm. can't people can't hear the points. You know, like they can't get you they can't, can't get past um what they deem as um crude or right, right. ghetto, which I'm replacing, I forget where I seen it. I'm replacing ghetto with trailer park. Every time I see where where trailer people park. say ghetto, I'm saying that's trailer park. I'm switching up, but yeah. I digress. Um, but yeah, I, I everything you're saying, I feel. And you know what, Jarrell? It's gonna be it's gonna be like five years from now, and there will be a documentary on how everybody was fucking wrong and fucked up over this Monique. Yep. You know, the same way they're doing Britney Spears. Like, let's talk about the early two thousands and how problematic that was. That will always be the that that's always gonna be the case. The the least popular opinion. Um, Jeff, you just posted on Facebook, everybody's about diversity until like it's about opinion or thought, you know what I'm saying? And it's just like, it's very true. And if it's not packaged in a certain way and said a certain way, somehow people aren't able to use their critical thinking skills to still get at the, the key points, you know what I mean? And the concepts around it. So yeah, but yeah. yeah absolutely. To, to hit back at that Monique point that you hit Jarrell, right? Because when she did it, right, it was a black woman being difficult. She's yep. right. Kevin Hart did the exact same thing. The yep. exact same thing, right? When it was the wedding ringer, right? And they wanted him to 
tweet out tweet out about the movie that he is in. He was mm-hmm. like, "You need to pay me for that, yeah. right? You need to pay me to promote do your the advertising and promotion. Yeah, do your like. I yeah. have this this many million followers. You want me to tweet this out? I'm not going to do that for free, yeah. right? And everybody, nobody was like, "Well, you in the movie? You should do it just because you're in the movie." They were like, "No." He's he's standing up for his brand, right? Mm-hmm. He, he knows his self worth. Yeah. Then why isn't it the same when Monique is like, "Yo, Netflix is robbing me over here." Yeah, they're giving Amy Schumer all this money, who's not even funny. Oh God, that burns me alive. The bitch ain't funny. I'm sorry. I'm gonna just say it. <laughs> And I'm sorry. I mean, this is a show about black womanhood I'm, I'm in, and womanhood in general. I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't let the B word. I, I, mm, let me come back. You, you know, your friends will hit you up for that one. <laughs> right. They, oh, God, I'm going to get slaughtered for that. But, Girl, I'm like, funny. I'll, I'll go there with you. I'll go there with you. <laughs> but she's not. She right? horrible. But she, she, she got the bag, right? And Monique was like, yo, why can't I get the same? Why can't I be even in the ballpark? Like, I'm not even in the damn ballpark. Like, can I at least get in the ballpark? Right? Right. Parking lot. Somewhere close. Y'all have me all in a whole other state. I'm not even asking. Like, she's asking for the actual labor of the job. We're not even going to talk about the reparations that Black women are owed for setting the tone for fashion, style, body aesthetic, you know what I mean? For every coolness and all of that. And so like, not to toot my own horn as a black woman, but like that co-op from each other, you know, I get it multicultural world, but there are all of these different ways that, you know, we, we are the original influencers, you know what I mean? And nobody ain't asking for, for money for that in ways that we, that we really should be, you know what I mean? And I think that extends in a lot of ways to black people in, in across gender. Um, but when it comes to, um, when it comes to black women and, and aesthetics and things like that, it's like, damn, how are we still, I, I've seen a statistic at some point that that Asian men and black women like have the hardest time on on dating apps and things like that. Like we're the least chosen. And there, I've, I've read different things, too, and seen different people's stories on TikTok where they they may be black, but they may have a, um, a more racially ambiguous look to them. And so a guy would reach out and ask like hey are you black and as soon as she says yeah ghost her and it's like well you were clearly interested because you swiped on me but what and so i digress like that's a side point but the the main point is is just like how is it that like there are all of these messages that are still telling us that we're not good enough in all of these ways but we still are being our our, the way our ways of doing things and existing are still being co-opted that in ways that are making people a lot of money and making them super popular and you just gonna forget like this is hood shit like from 1996 that had with the baby hairs and the you know what i mean and it's just like i'm being petty now but it's also like coming from a really real place of just like so y'all just not gonna act like you know for example ariana grande's video seven rings isn't just like totally a black girl aesthetic it's fine do it mama but like we're just gonna like ignore some of these things so the thing is, no, no. The thing is, right? They'll follow. They'll like you. They'll mm-hmm. secretly want to be with you. It's it's the mm-hmm. 
is when it's time to to showcase and highlight you is where they try to damn your life. Right? Yeah. And that's the part that frustrates me the most, right? Um, that's why like Asian women and black women are always the most fetishized, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they're always the most fetish. So it's not that they don't want you. It's that they do, but they're afraid to sh- share that with the world because that's not what the world, right, as often uplifted. Mm-hmm. It's the image of Taylor Swift of the world, who I hate that Shake It Off video to this day. Like, yo, mm-hmm. she, that shit is terrible, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I'm sorry to warn you, girl. I know she's from the same same hoods as you, Blaze. <laughs> not my girl. Not my girl, but yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's so interesting. Like, and then, like, Blaze, you talked about um, that third archetype, right? Like the spirituality or the person who is, like, so interconnected or so intertwined with their spirituality that they just can't see past anything else. And usually, you know, when men are, you know, when they're in that world or when they are super spiritual or super deep or whatever have you in spirituality, one of the things that they look for is those docile spiritual women, those women who, you know, are servers, who are worshipers, who are this, who are that. And I think that that comes from, you know, the understanding that we should worship our higher being or we should be subservient to our higher being. But then I've actually, so um, quick segue. So I am non-religious. And the reason why I um, denounced my religion when I was 22, I believe I was, uh, was because I kept seeing images of Black people being subservient to white people, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, you should serve your earthly master as you serve your heavenly master. And I kept hearing that. And I'm like, that sounds like slavery. And when I noticed that, you know, men who also are of the clergy and things like that were telling, were were, were replicating that to women or, 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 or telling women that, right? Like you should be obedient to your man. You should serve your man, just like you would serve your, your, your heavenly father or whatever have you. And I'm like, yo, this is nuts. Your man should serve you just like you served him. You know, your person should be your equal. And if they're not, even if they're not your person, even if y'all are just two people, y'all should still be equal. This makes no sense, right? Yeah. Like, and, and, and that's what bothers me about the, the spiritual folks is that they use biblical or whatever religious text to justify the subservience of women. And I, that's another thing I just can't get with because I'm like, without women, you don't have, you don't have this. <laughs> women are the base of all of this y'all don't have this yep now okay do you think that there might be a fourth and side note y'all for when you're listening to this i can't stress enough that we're talking in general generalities that we are you know what i mean and so of course within that of Mm -hmm. course like there could be someone who is super spiritual and does not adhere to that ridiculousness that is not what we're saying talking about broad archetypes of like how these things play out so do y'all think that there might be a fourth do you think that there might be like the it's kind of a, it's kind of like a subset of hotep but not quite more so like the black nationalist black revolutionary who still uses like misogyny within that and i the only reason why i bring that up is because i was thinking about my favorite part of history to really read about and think through and think like if i was in that time i would have totally been a black panther um 
and the ways that, you know, you hear the Black Panther women talking about some of their perspectives of what happened. And so, and I consider myself a Black revolutionary. I guess I'm just thinking through like of all of the ways that the patriarchy comes out in these spaces that are supposed to be super about liberation, but somehow that liberation is, it's all messed up because it's coming out of trying to get out of a white supremacist culture, but we can't, none of us can fully escape notions around that. And again, how we've been socialized. And so I'm just thinking like, how is it that these different, whether it's a black revolutionary, whether it's a hotep, whether it's those that are um, like very devout and that's what drives some of their misogyny, whether it's the Steve Harvey types, I'm like, what I try to tell people is that like, if, you're, if your version of liberation is somehow replicating the white ways that we've all been oppressed, then you're doing it wrong, you know? And so we can't think mm. that black men as our, as leaders, if they're just going to go into the leadership roles and if they're just going to um, take hold of structures without completely shutting them down, then of course there's always gonna be you're always going to want someone to oppress. You know what I mean? You're always going to want someone to oppress if you're not getting out of the mindset. And if you're really about liberation, then you're going to see it as a team effort. You're going to see it as a partnership. And the last thing I'll say on that is what I've told um, men before. Um, and what I told my, my current part, like my husband, when we started dating was just like, listen, this is what I'm about. And if you, um, and he's Caribbean and he's, and there's that too, <laughs> like just the, the nuances of, of blackness and how different ways um, misogyny works. And he's not misogynistic at all, but I'm just thinking through like some of the work that I did around like Afro-Caribbean population and trying to have conversations around even LGBTQ issues, let alone like feminism and stuff like that and how that's met with. And so it's so nuanced, but I say all that to say, some of what I told him was that like, this is who I am. These are the type of women I come from. And if your idea of me, um, if your idea of a relationship is that I'm supposed to just like serve you and be obedient, you don't want a girlfriend or a wife, you want a child you know, or you, you want, and, and that's even problematic. You, know, you, want, you want a slave, you know what I mean? If, if your notion of subservient, if your notion of, um, you know, bowing down are, is all rooted in that is what I'm supposed to do for you. And we're not supposed to meet each other halfway. You do not want a wife. That is not what you want um, at all. So, and I think a lot of men, and with that last comment, men across um, race have to take a long, hard look in the mirror around like what partnership really means to them, but especially black men as they na navigate being a black man, which isn't easy, you know what I mean? By any means. And there's, there's those set of issues. But if, if you, if you're like, damn, black women are always showing up for me. And my first thought is to question, um, well, why would she do that? He shot her or what he do that? He punched her in the face or what he do that? You know what I mean? You, you need to really do some work on self. If that's your first thought, what we did to deserve what happened to us. Because um, that, that, that's, that's her, I'll, I'll be vulnerable. That's, that's a very hurtful thing to hear from, from members of my, of my community of a different gender. When I feel so deeply and passionately about y'all's oppression and what you go through as a black man, um, that shit keeps me up at night. And so to, to see those things um, it's just like, golly, you know, it's not going to change my love and it's not going to change my devotion. Um, but it is a little, 
It is a little sad. It makes me sad, you know? So I, I was going to dive in and try to tackle that, but I think that is how we end. Yeah. That was powerful. That's it. That's it. I think that's how we end this here. So, Blaze, thank you for your time. This has been awesome. I've had so much fun and I cannot wait to catch up. So I, like I said, I, when I get in like my big, like deep cleaning zone is when I'm really podcasting. So I'm a little behind um, everything that I, what I'm calling season one, I have absolutely loved. And Jarrell, I cannot wait to hear more from you. Um, Cause you, y'all said y'all recorded four times. Thank so you. I need, to, I need to deep clean the kitchen. So you expect some messages from me, um, Jeff. Of like, yo, what y'all was talking? You know what I mean? I'm excited. I'm really excited to hear y'all hear y'all go in together. Thanks, Blaze. And you, you, you definitely become a best friend in my head. Like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, she's dope. I love it. <laughs> the energy yeah. is definitely. I feel the same way. So, I um, I hope y'all have an amazing rest of your day. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for reaching out. Um, I'm always down to talk, whether it's in this platform or, or otherwise. And um, yeah, I just. I just have so much fun being in a, being in in conversation with you and and Jarrell, now you too. So we have to. You're yeah. on social media, so we have to find each other. Um, yeah, I I, I was just about to say meet me up on social media. What's that? I said I'm assuming right now. I don't know if you want to, but yeah, let's wrap this episode up and then we get we can chat outside. You know, doing the black thing like, oh, let's get each other number. Oh. We supposed to be leaving, but we about to leave in another 45 right. minutes. <laughs> Y'all say, hey, well, mama do that. Go get your shoes on. We about to leave an hour later. You still Now, listen, <laughs> can, can I just say, can I just own black womanhood? That is one thing. That is the only thing I hated about my mom is that she'd be like, all right, put your stuff on. We about to go. 30 minutes later, she's still talking to my homegirl. 45 minutes. Yeah. An hour and a half later, she's still talking to her homegirl. To the car. They still talking. I'm like, mama! <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, you've been in your coat for the past 30 minutes, hot as hell, in this damn living room, like, yo. (laughs) But, yeah. I love us. Even though we are from three different states, (laughs) born and raised in three different states. Yeah. Just crazy. Just being black. Love it. So, everybody, man, follow the show, like us, find us on Instagram, Educated Food Podcast, and we out. Yeah. That was fun.